Welcome to the Sub Club Podcast, a show dedicated to the best practices for building and growing app businesses. We sit down with the entrepreneurs, investors, and builders behind the most successful apps in the world to learn from their successes and failures. Subclub is brought to you by RevenueCat. Thousands of the world's best apps trust RevenueCat to power in-app purchases, manage customers, and grow revenue across iOS, Android, and the web. You can learn more at revenuecat.com. Let's get into the show. Hello, I'm your host, David Barnard, and with me today, RevenueCat CEO, Jacob Eiding. On the podcast, we talk about RevenueCat's State of Subscription Apps Report, all the nuance that didn't make it into the report, and why your app landing in the bottom quartile of some metrics might not be as bad as it seems. Hey, Jacob, looking forward to chatting on this special episode of the Subclub Podcast. It's always special when it's just me and you, David. No offense to our guests, but it's just <laughs> it got a different, it's got a different feel. Got a different know? vibe. So yeah. by the time this podcast is released, um, which we're recording early, of course, um, there will be a landmark report released <laughs> in the land of subscriptions. So we've put together a massive report with all sorts of comments from industry folks and never before seen benchmarks. <laughs> But, but but truly, this is actually exciting. I mean, when it's, I started, it's a dream. It's a, it's a, the culmination of a many year dream, David. It's a dream come true. When I started in Revenue Cat in 2019, you and I talked about all these data projects. We I'm were pretty sure do. that's <sighs> half or more of the reason you joined. You were just like, I just want to look at the data. All the data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once you got in, you're like, oh well, I have it. So what's the motivation to get it out there? But we finally yeah. did, right? We finally did. Finally, yeah, yeah. I CEO remember years of us so debating busy. this, and and my my biggest thing were two things, and we'll talk about some of that how this data set came together. But one was we didn't have enough apps, so yeah. I was always like, eh, like we have we don't really, 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 really want to be careful to make sure the data is like well anonymized, and you really can't back into anything, and yeah. We've maybe had that for a couple of years now. So that, that part did not last very long where we didn't have enough data. But um, the second part was just like doing a good job. Like we yeah. were just, it is so easy to pull a data set and just be like, oh, I'll take column A divided by column B. Look at this result and be like, <laughs> and then share it. And like, honestly, a lot of reports get away with that, right? You right. can just, because you don't have the methodology, you don't have you know, like data set. It's really hard to verify and it all works as marketing, right? Yeah. And maybe to our own detriment, I wasn't happy with that. So <laughs> instead of releasing a report, we waited, right? And I think right. I think we've finally gotten to the point where we can we can strike a balance between, you know, obviously there's some level of rigor that's reasonable for us and in, in all these on all all of these um insights, whatever you want to call them. But uh but I think we've done a good job and I think we finally were able to this year. So I'm I'm yeah. excited. We skipped ahead of my first question. Why release this benchmark report and why now? So you got the why now part. Oh, okay. So why release <laughs> but, it? But now, yeah. Why, why, why a benchmark report? So, you know, ma- marketing, you called that out already. I mean, yeah, obviously this, there's some <laughs> in for us, but uh, I, I mean, this was something I knew at the very beginning of Revenue Cat is that we were going to be the only place, maybe aside from Apple, where, you know, developers where we were going to have visibility across the app ecosystem and um and 
I and, and this goes beyond, you know, there's tools like Sensor Tower and App Figures and things like this, but there's certain there's certain parts of the subscription lifecycle that only Revenue Cat can can really measure. Right. And so um yeah. What's I mean, that, that? Just so, I, so our audience understands. Yeah, just because um, you know, things like Sensor Tower uses some combination of SDK integration plus like app store listings to like derive their data. Um, things like app figures to get product, but they use um, app store reports, which also doesn't, there's certain, there's certain things that aren't accessible through, through that data set. And we are on the device tracking receipts, which gives us the hundred percent visibility into the life cycle mm-hmm. of individual users, which then from there you can build up into basically any aggregate you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why this is a unique data set that's never really been compiled before. Certainly not at this scale. Um, and by the way, I'll add that if anybody hearing this is like, I don't want my data in this report, just let us know. Like we have a little <laughs> switch we can flip. If you're like, you know, it's not going to affect the data one way or the other. It's very well anonymized, but if it's weird to you, just let us know. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but yeah, it's so, so well anonymized that you wouldn't even know. And I mean, I, I fought for years to make sure it was going to be yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's totally. You wouldn't let me share. Um, what, what's that kind of plot where you, where you see the actual, Oh yeah, individualized uh, plots. Yeah, like um, dots that were anonymous. Plot. Scatter, scatter plot. plot. You of like let our, me share a scatter plot that I absolutely loved because technically each of those dots was an app and was disclosing yeah. their individual data. And so we don't share scatter plots for that reason. Yeah, we, everything's got to be averaged together and above a certain threshold and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and 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 yeah, I'm very confident in what we're releasing. Is you yeah. know, there's no there's no data, but but you know the. I'm I'm even will, I'm willing to do this even if it is a little bit maybe like outside of our mandate because I, I I'm doing this for you I'm doing this for the <laughs> the community right like there's the marketing aspect of it it's tr- true right. but like I I've had this and we've tried to build in the product but it's hard we've had these questions forever like since we started what's a good subscription rate what's a good renewal rate what's a good yeah. this how's where am I how's this like how's it but but yeah. and I, I'm always like I can't ever answer that like I'm not a human insights machine like right. i don't have every i have some ideas but it's always shifting and it's always changing um and it's complicated i think we'll get into that today like all of these data points are complicated have caveats however in relationships with other data points and so um i was always a little hesitant to share it but it was clear that folks in our our user base and our customer base like want this data and yeah. and can can use it to make good decisions um, and so, yeah, that's why, like, I think, I think right. it's outside of having this integrated into the product, which we may do in the future. Um, I think this is like the next, a PDF is kind of a pretty good product <laughs> in that sense. It's like, Hey, here it is. Yeah. Bang. Like you're probably going to find 90% of what you want in this doc and, and we'll update it over time, ideally and things like this. So yeah. Um, and our mission at revenue cat is to help developers make more money and if developers can use benchmark data, and we'll talk about all the caveats of how to use and not use benchmarks data, but if they can use the benchmarks data to make more money, that is directly fulfilling our mission. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just, we just want to be helpful. We're just here to help. That's it. Just you here know? to help. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then back to what you said earlier, I, I think it is important to recognize that we are at a stage as a company where our data is fairly representative of the broader market. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely it, wasn't the case in the early days, right? Like we were very skewed. In the early days. We were like all YC companies and like a few of my friends and like, and then yeah. some like concentric expanding circle from there. But now it's a much closer to the, the general population of the app store. 
and and as we talk through that our data i think it's it's especially interesting to know that it is relatively representative so when we talk top quartiles and bottom quartiles and median and stuff like that you know this is spanning some of the top apps in the app store all the way down to you know indie apps that are struggling like my my, my own apps like i'm in the bottom quartile and like pretty much everything you know it's it fine it's just get something to work on you know i do yeah well if i weren't so busy <laughs> <laughs> um so uh Next thing I want to discuss is kind of the methodology in our data. Um, so I'll rattle off and then you can give a little nuance. But um, the, the data that we use to put together this report encompasses 180 million subscribers, 180 million more subscribers, 17,000 plus developers. Um, over the last, uh, what is it, five years, four years now since Revenue Cat was it's founded? Basically almost five. Almost exactly five years since we tracked our first dollar. It was like there the you first, go. It was like New Year's 2018. So. so we've now tracked in aggregate over $4 billion in revenue across the App Store, Play Store, Stripe, now the Amazon Store. Um, and I think some people even do integrations where they're using other web payment providers where we get their data, even if it's not Stripe. Um, so we tracked 22,000 plus apps. Um, and as you said before, the data is completely anonymized. So pretty, pretty broad. Big numbers. There. Yeah. Big numbers. 4 billion, 4 billion tracked revenue. I, I can afford to give every person on the planet a thousand dollars in tracked revenue. <laughs> I think it's how that, that's a joke. That's a Twitter meme I brought into the podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, so again, just, um, you know, fairly representative of the app store generally. And, and then as you were getting at, so we have a data scientist that worked on this, who's super sharp, been in the subscription app industry for a long time, huge shout out to Tracy on our business team, who's just a, a genius at numbers and business a- analysis. It, t- it took a village. <laughs> it took a village. <laughs> to bring this you together. You and I yeah. were uh, yeah, involved. CEO who, who gets very confused by graphs and goes like, oh, I don't get this. Make this make more sense. <laughs> but, but yeah, so this was not just like one random person. As you said, and that this is why I think this... Imp- and, and I'm going on and on because I think it's important to, to explain that this wasn't just one random person grabbing column A, column B you know, generating these like big grand hypothesis around the app store. It was a huge team of really smart people coming together. It was a bespoke artisanal PDF. It's one of the best (laughs) PDFs I've ever made. Uh, Well, with a a bunch of help, right? So It is. So uh, everything is not perfect. I mean, data has limitations, but it was very thoughtfully considered along the whole process. Huge amounts of data backing it, and then a huge amount of effort and thought went into compiling it. Um, so while it's not perfect and no data is, <clears throat> there's definitely a, a certain amount of trust I think people can have in yeah. in some of the conclusions that we draw. We were talking about this before, but like um, you know, I think it's like models. Like people talk about like models about a system or like you know theories or whatever. They're they're not often not correct, and I won't say that all of this data in here is correct. It's right. not even like a term you can necessarily use, but it doesn't make them not useful, right? right. You know, like uh, like uh, Newton's theory of of motion is not correct because it doesn't account for quantum mechanics and and relativity and things like this, but it is extremely useful right? because it <laughs> applies. For a broad range of conditions, um, and I think that's true for a lot of the insights in here. Like, th- th- there's, there's, 
And, and, and I think as folks go through it, you want to make sure you're looking at things in context, make sure like right. you're not drawing too fine a point on assumptions, make sure you're balancing your specific situation and the, and the realities of your app, because like while, and, and I guess, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll I guess now's a good time to talk about it. Like, yeah, there, there may be things where you're in the bottom quartile on something and that's okay because like right. your business model is different. Right. You, and, and there's not a single business model for all of these apps. Like some apps more optimized for getting people to pay a lot at the subscription phase, like, or like, or, or it's really important that they just start a ton of trials or it's really important that they do X or Y, Z. And that really is app dependent. Right. Um, and so you, you should apply that lens to be like, what are we actually doing here? And then, you know, before you go take, oh, our, we're in the bottom quartile here, make sure you apply that to your unique situation and make sure you like think through like how that's going to affect other things. Um, but again, like even with those caveats, I still think there's a lot you can draw um, potentially from this data. Yeah. And, and you hit the you hit part of the rant. I want to rant a little more. Um, <clears throat> so in this report and working with so many colleagues on it. I kept trying to write essays <laughs> with all the like nuance and caveats and all this stuff. And then my, my lovely colleagues kept kind of pushing back and summarizing and, and um, deleting paragraphs and stuff, because, you know, for a, a report that you're going to read, uh, you know, a 300 page essay into the depths of nuance wasn't really a great read. I mean, everybody's going to skip to the pictures anyway. PDF. So like, yeah. Yeah. But this is our chance to kind of like go into that nuance. So the rest of this, you know, podcast, we've kind of already started, but, but it's, oh, we're it's not doing any data on this podcast. We're just going to talk, uh, talk. Fo footnotes the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> front matter. It's all front matter. No, I'm kidding. We're about to get into the data. So. Yeah, we are going to get into the data. And this, this podcast is our opportunity to really talk through the nuance and, and me to go on my rants that kind of got cut from yeah. some of the, uh, <laughs> depths of the, don't send the this, uh, <laughs> send your boss the PDF. Don't send them, don't send them the, 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 the link to the podcast. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> This is for the this is for the subscription nerds out there. The the PDF is you know that's for the C suite. So uh, you know just you know your audience, right? <laughs> so I wanted to go a little deeper into your rant, um, and, and I think this is just so important: is that you know as a subscription app, you need to understand your own business model and your own unique leverage. So um in, in kind of thinking this through and prepping for the podcast an example that really stands out to me is all trails and we actually had the ceo of all trails on the podcast it's a fascinating business to me because their pricing is crazy compared to what like we see now in most subscriptions it, they they price it at i think they price it now at 30 dollars, but most of their, or I, we don't have any data on them or anything. So I'm not sharing any, like, you know, they're not a, yeah, customer, not a customer currently right. yet. <laughs> future customer, of course. Everyone's but, uh, a future customer. Um, so I'm not sharing any like private data, but from what um, the CEO shared on the podcast and just some level of inference, um, you know, they do, they do tons of promotion. So even though their kind of regular subscription price is $30 a year, I would imagine a lot of their subscriber base is on a like $20 a year or $15 a year. And so when you look at this like kind of stalwart in the consumer subscription industry, that's not really optimized on pricing. So like what, what works? Like why aren't they charging $70 a year, $120 a year? Yeah. Like some of these other subscription apps we see where I'm like, God, how do they charge so much? And I think what it comes down to is, if, is a few things and, and this is what every subscription app needs to kind of look at in their own data is one, 
I would guess that having such a low price actually leads to much greater long-term retention um, than some of these apps that charge a lot more. Of course, yeah, yeah. Price is always going to be inversely correlated with retention, unless it's a real, like, real, real need. If it's a luxury good, price and retention are probably going to be. And as, I mean, all trails is for some certain people not a luxury, right? But like yeah. a lot of CSS is. So like, uh, yeah, you're always going to have that. Of all inverse. the apps, like to to be able to charge a higher price and retain that higher price over time, might be that. Think right? all trails might yeah. be. But on the flip side, you know, th- this year as inflation was rising and everything else, I looked at all my yeah, subscriptions. Yeah, it's relatively cheap, right? And guess what? Like the ones that are 60, 80 bucks a year, those are the ones I was like, ah, are they really like pulling yeah. their weight? <laughs> and the ones that were like 10, 20 bucks a year, it's like, nah, it's like pocket change. Spreads like, out, it's, yeah. it's really not that big a deal. It's um, like a dollar a month or whatever. But then the other thing I think, and, and we actually talked on the podcast with, um, or I talked, you weren't on that episode, but um, with the co-founder or the founder and... Um, head of marketing, I believe, uh, Pock Pock, a, a kid's app. And they were talking about how they did some pricing experimentation where they doubled the price of their monthly subscription and saw more than double the revenue by doubling their price. So they actually had mm. a higher conversion at a higher price. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, Econ 101, right? There was demand curve, right? But what they started to see pretty quickly, and especially because it was a monthly subscription, so they, they got the data back more quickly, is that, that cohort that paid the higher price churned at a much higher mm, rate. High rate. And yeah. so it's kind of what you're saying is that it just kind of makes sense is that price is going to be a factor in retention. So, okay, all trails may have, we don't you know, know their data specifically, but they probably have industry leading retention at that lower price and just because of who they are and a great product and everything. But on the front end of that business, they also have really low customer acquisition costs because so much of their traffic comes from SEO and they're just amazing at you search any trail in the world Mm -hmm. and they're like the first result. And so there's a unique business where you have like really low, I would, I would imagine very low Mm -hmm. kind of blended customer acquisition cost. So the price isn't like industry leading and, you know, we don't have any insight into their like trial start rates or conversion rates or like freemium users compared to paid users or whatever. But then we also probably guess that they have industry leading retention somebody somebody on the all trails data teams is going like right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) hypothetically hypothetically Hypothetically. a leading trails app let's let's just say say that's how it works for all trails but that's how i think a lot of businesses need to kind of understand what's going on is that if you have industry leading retention maybe you know being lower quartile and trial start rates and having a very high kind of uh good freemium base to your app is a great strategy. That's the thing. There's no universal model for all these apps. Cause like that ultra's example is a great, great example because their, their user acquisition strategy is probably unique versus a lot of apps right now. If right. you're an app that's mostly driving user acquisition through direct paid advertising, you're going to have a very different need and you're going to need these numbers to be in different places. Right. And so that's exactly the yeah. just like understand the things that can't be seen within the app store and within these metrics and apply that to your business and know, and, and, and have a model. Like everybody should have a spread. If you haven't built this yet as a, as a founder or whoever, like make sure you have a basic model. That's like this many users installed this many blank, blah, blank. Like we can build some of that and we do in revenue cat have some aspects of that, but like there's things that we can't fully account for that are outside of our view um, and you should have that kind of in a, in a, in a, and built out somewhere else in a spreadsheet yeah. or something like this so that, so that you can have, you know, again, doesn't have to be right. 
but it still can be useful, right? right. So, um, and, and you brought up the, the kind of flip side that I wanted to, to touch on is that, you know, one of the trends we see, and this is going to be reflected in our data, is that we kind of, our customers go from all trails type uh, apps that have leverage in customer acquisition costs. But then on the kind of flip side of that, we have a lot of customers and there's a, a you know, a lot of subscription apps in the industry where if you're spending, you know, five bucks to get a download and, you know, 50 bucks to acquire a subscriber, you need those trial start rates and those trial conversion rates. You you need to be, yeah. you know, at least median, if not top quartile to make those things work because you need to get that return on ad spend. And you probably, I mean, this is why we've seen a huge trend toward annual subscriptions is that from a cash flow perspective, you need to get that return on ad spend in a, you know, hopefully 30 day window, if not a 60 or 90 day window to just turn over the cash quick enough to, to fuel that machine. And so if you, if your business is heavily spending on ads and you look at our, you know, medians and you're like, Oh, we're doing great. Well, you know, maybe you're not, (laughs) you know, because, that's that's where the rubber meets the road because of that specific business model. So anyway, you know, I think you've made the point well and we've gone on and on and on. But the point being, like, there's just so many different ways to make things work with a subscription app. So as we talk through the details, as you read this report, um, and you, you might want to pull up the report now, pause the podcast, because we are <laughs> we're gonna start diving into some of the insights. <laughs> podcast, uh, audio podcast heavy on visual aids. Yeah. Great, great media <laughs> we're producing over here at Revenue Cat uh, uh, Broadcasting LLC. Um but go to revenuecat.com slash report and we'll redirect that URL to the current report. So if you're listening in 2024 to this old podcast, you might, you'll get the new report. Um, promise to update URLs in the future. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, but the, the last thing I wanted to talk on before we kind of get even deeper is just that um, one of the things I've also seen talking to a lot of developers is the premature optimization is that if you're early in your business building a subscription app and you see some of these numbers and you're like, oh my gosh, like we have got to get our you know trial start rate up above the median. Like we need to be top quartile. Well, if you're like, you know, three months in and you don't even have product market fit yet and you're still mm-hmm. adding features to your product, you're just in such a different stage. Mm-hmm. than some of these more mature apps. And that, you that's be, you should be thing. more focused probably on usage metrics and things like that. Um, and also user acquisition. Like until you land a user acquisition channel that is going to bring you consistent uh, cohorts mm-hmm. of people who have specific needs, you know, if you're blasting out, you know, early on, you're just getting some word of mouth. Your numbers could be like crazy high and kind of deceive you because long-term those are going to drift lower. Yeah, if it's friends if, and family beta, yeah, that's obviously it's like, beta's not trustworthy. You know, you get a ton of press and you bring in a bunch of looky loos who your, your, your numbers might be yeah. artificially low. Um, yeah. Thanks for correcting my uh, colloquialism. <laughs> I think looky loos is pretty, I think that's pretty, uh, I don't know, maybe outside the United States, not so much. But. Yeah. So anyways, depending on w- what stage you're at, you also might kind of take a different perspective on some of these metrics. It's like when you're early, you probably don't want to over optimize and like, really get too in the weeds on any individual metric before you really understand that broader scope of like, where are we acquiring users? How high intent are they? You know, and then how do we make the, the ad economics work or whatever kind of acquisition strategy we're using 
to get that entire funnel dialed in without overly focusing on any one specific thing, especially being really early. Can we do data now? <laughs> a couple of more one stops more away. Um, so in this, and we've already talked about it a lot, upper quartile, median, yeah. lower quartile. Oh, this is, this is, this is, I, I, I'll take this as a personal, this is a personal hill I've, I've yeah, died on. You're the numbers guy. Tell me yeah. why we're using this and why it's important and, and, and then how it works. So people, there's this, there's this concept of summary statistics, right? Which is uh, you take a group of numbers and then you summarize it with some fewer number of numbers, right? Um, the most common one I think people are used to is an average or a mean where you just like average everything, you weight everything and divide it by, you know, to come up with an average. Um, and one thing that I, they don't teach you in sixth grade is like that not all data sets are well characterized by those things or, you know, because a, a data set is really a distribution like along an axis. So you might have a bunch of low numbers and a bunch of high numbers, or you might have like a very smooth distribution of numbers. So you might have like all the numbers are at the high end and, Things like averages, means, medians, modes, like none of those all like alone necessarily describe a data set well. Um, there are more complicated things that you can do, like there's skew and like all these things. Like I, if it were up to me, I would just share distributions, histograms of everything. That's <laughs> in science. I mean, in, in you know, for my science days, that's what mostly you would do. You share histograms yeah. of measured data. That's kind of the best way to yeah. communicate a data set to people, a distribution of data set. But like, yeah, I don't that's think that's why I wanted to share the scatter plot because it's so interesting yeah, yeah. to see where the actual dots yeah, fall. Actually, or looking at the raws, if you can, yeah. which most of our data points are sets are too big for that. Right. So, um, so where we ended up with is this concept of basically it's a, it is a histogram, but talking about lower quartile, middle quartile and upper quartile. Right. So, yeah. So Me- like median, yeah. yeah. So yeah. And with the median in there. So I guess it's not, it's two middle quartiles, right? So there's like the bottom, we, we've split a lot of stuff up into what the bottom 25% look like, what the middle 50% look like, right? Where the median is within there. And then what the top 25% look like. And I think that's important because when people would ask me over the years, what's, what's the average, what's a typical renewal rate? I'd be like, I can't tell you, I can tell you a number, <laughs> but it's not going to tell you very much because there's right. apps way far out the distribution is very broad which is a hard thing to say to somebody on a support ticket so like uh so so we've come down to this method of talking about quartiles and i do i think it's a little bit more complicated but i do think it helps capture a better idea of like where different apps lie and we can talk about it it gives us a little bit easier way to get a handle on where where how the data is shaped but then also where you lie in the data yeah so see i did not learn all of this stuff in sixth grade i'm not a statistician myself and I've learned a lot from you over the years. So, so let me let me kind of layman's uh, uh, explain it uh, f- for our listeners who are more like me, and then you can correct anything. <laughs> so, um, so lower quartile means that twenty five percent of all apps fall from are below that lower quartile number. So, if we say, like here, I'll skip ahead. If we say the the lower quartile for um, annual. Uh, annual conversion rate to paid, the lower quartile is 21% on a uh, 14-day trial. So that means that 25% of apps are either 21% conversion rate or below. Or below, yeah. And then median being 44% means that that's the midpoint in our data. So half of the apps are below that, half of the apps are above that. Right. So you, you just take the series of numbers. So you know, some apps are getting 10% conversion rate. Some apps are getting 80% conversion rate. 
And each individual app is a data point along this spectrum. And the median is just that midpoint of yeah. the data. And you can see from that why it's important to have those two quartile numbers. Because if you just reported a median of 44%, if the bottom quartile was 42% and the top quartile was 46%, that would be a very different situation than if the median is 44 the bottom quartile is 22 and the top quartile is 70 something, right? So right. Like, you really need... Like for both of those data sets, I would tell you the, the mean is 44 and that's not going to give you a full picture of like what's right. good and what's bad. So that's why we've yeah. gone a little bit more complicated. Um, and yeah, no, numbers are hard. Stats, I think, is yeah. like the hardest thing to really wrap your head around. So And so then in this particular example, 61% is the upper quartile of uh, trial start rate to paid subscriber conversion. So that means 25% of apps are above 61%. Um, and those are kind of like the top performing apps. And so that means that we probably have some apps and I didn't look at the raw data for this, but we probably have some apps that are 80%, 90% trial. Yeah. Conversion most likely. Rate. Yeah. There's some natural limit, like not some, no app's going to have a hundred. Right. Um, but so, I tell you something way closer than I'd expect, but they like end up usually <clears throat> the further you get out on the wings, they end up being like interesting use cases and like often niches and stuff like right. that, which is why looking at the stuff in aggregate is important too, because like every app, there's always weird data outliers. Um, and that's the other nice thing with quartiles and medians, um, as summary statistics is that they, they don't weigh outliers as heavily. So like, you know, anybody above, it, 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 like a, an outlier can really screw up a mean, but like right. it has less effect on a quartile, which is good. Yeah. So anyway, we could just talk stats and it, and all day. It, and the great thing is it's not going to screw up the median either. So if, right. we had, if we had one app that had like 10 million subscribers and they had a 90% trial conversion rate, if we did a mean, that would, that would skew it everyone more. north. Yeah. <clears throat> because we're just averaging all of it. It's, it's, you know, they're all just tools. Some of them work better for some things than others. Right. This is great. And I think this nuance will help people better understand the report and better put it to use. Yeah. So then, so then again, back to that specific example, what we're saying is that 50% of apps fall in that range between the lower quartile and the upper quartile. So in this yeah, by case, definition, right? 21% is the lower quartile 61% is the upper quartile and then 50% of apps sit yeah. in that distribution in the middle. And then of course the 44% median actually isn't perfectly in the middle because yeah. of the way that math works on that. Yeah. Um, so the, the other interesting thing here is that, you know, again, when you're putting yourself in this, you know, spectrum of median, upper and lower quartiles, we see that wide distribution you were talking about, which is really interesting, is that in that 50% middle, you have up to a 61% or a 60%, you know, just below that upper quartile number, all the way down to 22%. That's a huge range. Yeah. yeah, on a relative basis. I mean, it depends on what number you're talking about, but that can be substantially different businesses, right? Um, again, depending on all your all your realities and the other aspects of your business model. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, we're trying to give as much as we can, um, yeah. and try to, you know, represent it in a way that's both consumable, but also like honest and, and clear. Um, but, but I think it's, I think it's, well, I, I will say, honestly, like if you're a person who's still listening to this podcast, 30 minutes, in, <laughs> this is stuff that you will benefit from understanding better. I think in life yeah. and in general in business, 
running because it's one thing I say, you know, I came from a you know a science background before I got into technology, and then eventually business. And I'll have to say, like the there's some real real statistics crimes that happen in the way that people run businesses. <laughs> like yes. you're just like, yeah, you just look at the ratio and like that's your percent. And I'm like, do we care about like error bars or counting errors or like anything <laughs> like statistical fluctuations or anything like that? And it's like, what? And I'm like, okay. Uh and so I end up sounding like a crazy person sometimes. Like I'm like, hey, like uh I can't really trust this data. And I think it's one of the reasons reports taking so long is because I have been kind of like yeah. pumping the brakes. Cause I I have a I don't I, I have a high co- I have a high commitment to the truth, David. That's one of the things you need to know about me. Um, one of the benefits like, and drawbacks to a CEO steeped in yeah. statistics and science. Well, I don't. I just don't like BS, right? Like, I don't yeah. like companies. I don't like companies sharing stuff that's going to not, not really be that helpful. I mean, there's features yeah. we've not built because of this. I mean, not to toot our horns or whatever, but I've definitely like right. definitely like avoided. Even that's why our experiments product took so long because like. Right we wanted to make sure it was actually useful, right? And actually like, gave good data and like wasn't like, guiding people in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. And so- and, and, and this is how we approached, because you are CEO, this is how we approach the entire product though. And, that, and, and I appreciate that as a customer. Yeah, we maybe move uh, a little bit slower than maybe some of our, even our competitors, but I think it's for the best because, yeah. you know, ultimately I think- Our charts are meaningful and we like think about this stuff. Yeah, we try. I mean, there's always- we can always improve our trust in our data. It's a big initiative for us right now, but like, um, you know, it's a bit, it's important. So can we, can yeah. we talk numbers now, David? Oh, <laughs> Scott. I thought you right, told right, me right. we were going to talk numbers on a podcast and I got real excited and here we are. 30 and I want to get in. into it. Okay. All right. We'll go into the key results. And that last kind of topic was a good transition into this is the top. So, so in this report, if you're following along at home, there's kind of five key takeaways from the report. And so we'll go through each of those and then we'll deep dive into some of the numbers. So uh, first key takeaway, top quartile apps perform three to 14 times better than bottom quartile apps. So we, we were already just kind of discussing this, but again, I think it's just such an important thing to recognize is it's just such a high degree of variance in almost all of the numbers we shared today. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a it's very typical what's called a power law distribution, right? Where you end up with a long tail of a long, you know, of you know people that don't break out, and then you you have outsized outsized winners, um, and we see that still as well in in even in across these metrics where you'll have a lot of apps that don't have particularly good and then you'll have some that are insanely good in the range is like yeah. 14 times like we're talking 14 times better on a metric right this is like right. not a 14 times bigger business this is like 14 times better ratioed performance in a lot of cases right which is not something that you can compound over time uh and so yeah again goes to highlight that, that there's no typical number yeah. here on any of these numbers one of my little pet projects that didn't make it into this report but i'm hoping will be a blog post in the not too distant future is that another thing to keep in mind on this 14 times better performance is that um, this also shows how different the different strategies are where one company might be 14x on trial start rates. But then if we actually followed the, yeah. the their entire funnel, they might be 14x better on trial start rates, but actually... <laughs> in the know, bottom quartile on the next thing down the chain, conversion. right? Yeah, exactly. And when that's the thing is like when we say 14 times, it's not a 14 times better app that's in metric right. ranges, right? Which potentially more than more highlights rather than like actual differentiation of total app performance. It's more of a different... It's more to highlight that there's a lot of... Di- it's a It's a vast 
zoo of animals out there, right? Every yeah. like every one of <laughs> every little creature has its niche and differences, right? Yeah. And they can be quite different. And we kind of talked about it before, but just to highlight again, you know, it's it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be above the top quartile in every single metric. I mean, those, those are the like yeah, totally standout businesses. A lot of them that, are interrelated, right? Like a lot yeah. of one goes up by, by definition, kind of the other is going to go down. Right. So, and again, you know, companies like all trails maybe, you know, have a ton of people coming in. And so they're lower quartile in trial start rate. Again, and yeah. yet they Which built we don't an have data on business. that. Like we don't, we're not, weighting any of these businesses by i mean we have some selections in the cuts like we threw out like folks that had like really small data sets and things like this we didn't include in the report just because like there was too much noise um so we'd had some floor but we didn't say like you know they all have to be massive or like and we don't we don't like we're not weighting things massively differently and stuff like that based on how big the business is so um which is yeah that's a great way of how we distributed the data yeah when you when we see these averages it's the average for the app yeah. Then, so if your app is like 10, 10 times bigger than another app, but you're, you know, your your 15% conversion rate only gets counted the same as somebody who's much, much smaller. Right. And exactly. that's by design. It helps with the anonymization, but then also it doesn't because like it doesn't matter. Outliers like, don't skew as much. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter that your app's 10 times bigger. Like your conversion rate's your conversion rate. And that's applies right. if you're a small app or a big app, obviously. So all right. So the next key key takeaway is that for apps with trials, 3.7% of app downloads start a trial and 38% of those trials convert to paid subscribers. And this was fascinating to me. And this, this is the biggest single drop off in the funnel. Like you, you get a download and median is 3.7% start a free trial. Mm-hmm. That's low. <laughs> this is then and well i'll just jump into the next data point since it's basically the combination of these two which is that that means that only two percent of downloads turn into some sort of paying customer which honestly that's kind of been the standard since since i've been doing map monetization in you know back in 2009 right like um you know as soon as in-app purchases started like you would find about a one percent conversion rate um, on that order. So you might be a little bit higher, two, three, one, but it's in the single digits. And that's not unusual. Now, single digits means if you go from two to three, that's a 50% increase. <laughs> right. So like <laughs> yeah. it only does, you know, it's still it doesn't matter that it's that small. But when you're thinking about how your app is designed, the user experience and stuff like that, you remember there are 99 people or 97 people that are coming in and you're not converting, which is like both demoralizing, but also like, wow, there's like, I've got 97 more chances that I'm missing on right now that, right. you know, you can think about converting. And I think this is why we talk, start to, you start to look at some of this data and think about leverage points, paywall placements, um, you know, stuff yeah. like, you know, Superwall is a great tool for this. Um, uh, shout out Jake, but like uh, thinking about where and when you're presenting your offering to people. And I just met with a, um, uh, Revenue Hat user uh, founder who is dis- debating like where and how aggressively to show the paywall. And I thought back to something that um, my old boss, Jesse Picard, Elevate Labs, taught me or said to me when I was giving a similar argument, like, oh, I don't want to be so aggressive, like showing a paywall. He's like, hey, 97% of these people are going to come in and never pay you anything. And you probably have some free experience. Like, they can look at a paywall. <laughs> like they're not, <laughs> that's not going to ruin their life, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you obviously want to balance that. But like, hey, you're trying to run a business here. You're doing a lot of effort into this. 97% of these people aren't going to give you any money at yeah. all. 
Like, I think it's okay to like kind of you not hammer them, but like make sure they know, like make sure you're putting that out there. And like this shows that like there's leverage there, right? Like you can yeah. you can improve those numbers. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking a lot about too, and I've analogized it to a store without prices. Like you know, you're yeah. you're just telling <laughs> yeah. them. Oh that my the god, app you might know how bad a user something. experience that is. I'm sure you've been to one. Like you ever go to like oh, some, I've like, done home, that in my apps. Home, like, well, you go to like a yeah. high design place or like a home goods store, and you walk in, and it's just like there's no no, no price tags, no nothing, no affordances. That it's like this is a place I can do commerce. It's super off-putting right and confusing right people understand commerce like show them the commerce right uh and so they you'll you'll have some amount of drop off from that or like you know people will bounce but that's it's fine you're being direct and honest and open right it's like price transparency is never a bad thing so yeah yeah and that's a mistake i've made in my apps is that like not showing the paywall and onboarding and then people get onboarded, they're like doing stuff and they're excited and they're using your app. And all of a sudden, like, boom, you like block them. It's a terrible experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cause they didn't know it was coming, right? Like, people are great with bad news, but they hate surprises. So, right. like, uh, like, so get ahead of it. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's get into the, let's get into retention side. Cause I think that's a, that's, that's, yeah, I think where our data maybe is even more interesting and unique. Yeah, so the so the next key result, um, and uh, so much to talk about here, but next key result is that if you can get users to get past that first renewal period, they're more likely to stick around for the long haul. So this is something I learned from you um, early on in my Revenue Cat days. You were working on this crazy LTV model for our kind of version. My, opus, our beta my failed version Opus Magnum, yeah. Of our pricing experimentation. And so in that, you did a survival analysis. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, it's just one of those kind of unintuitive things until you like really understand statistics, is that if you took all of your current subscribers, or if you take all of your subscribers ever to this point, and you say, okay, you know, a million subscribers, and on average they've stayed subscribed for 1.4 years. So my LTV is 1.4 times my price. But no, because depending on how old your business is, the longer people stick around, the less likely they yeah, are. You don't to know. You're, you're basically, dis- you're basic- when you do that analysis, you're basically assuming that the folks that have been there for you know, the high end, the, the, the larger side of that, three years, are going to turn immediately, which isn't the case, right? Like they're actually, their lifetime is probably much longer than that. And so it's always going to underestimate um, your actual lifetime value. And there are, there are ways to incorporate that data. And that's what survival analysis is. And I did spend a lot of time on I knew a lot more about <laughs> the, the, the morbid, the morbid and interesting fact is that I got all my data analysis tools from like, um, like if specifically cancer studies and things like this, like long longitudinal, because you have the same problem where when they're evaluating long longitudinal treatments of drugs and things like this, where when they're trying to understand, you know, how much does this life extension drug help you? Like if people, if you have like, you can't say that like, oh, you can't count the people who have passed with the people who are still alive the same because you 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 don't have, you don't know how long people are alive are going to last, right? Like you have some idea. So you have to combine that data in a, in a careful way. And I think this is something that 
I think that's something naive sometimes that that developers do when they're trying to calculate their LTV. And I think it's something we need to do better. Predictive LTV is on our light, on our roadmap. What I learned in that exercise a year or two years ago was that it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and we want to get back to it. But, um, yeah. but in this report, we ended up doing something where we kind of just focused on this like first couple renewals, because I do think that in terms of benchmarking, there's reasons for that. Like one, you get it much faster so like right. if you just want to compare that and i do think it's like notionally related to your long term retention so like if looking at that first renewal rate it's not going to tell you exactly what your long term renewal rate is but i don't think a higher first renewal rate is ever going to be a bad thing for that long term retention so and it, and it it sets the slope of the curve yeah exactly it's going to tell you a lot about how you know things are going to decay but the point here is that um that you know most of people are going to churn out early and like your, your yeah. renewal rates actually improve over time. Like yeah. your, your, your folks most likely to churn are going to churn the earliest. So you do not have like each month you can think of like, if you have a box of a hundred users, I don't know why you'd put them in a box. I don't know. It goes back to my <laughs> in physics. You're always putting people in things in boxes. Usually it's like, you know, molecules and stuff. But anyway, you got a hundred people in your, in your subscriber pool. The people most likely to churn are going to do that first. And then by definition, the folks that have that think about churning in that second month, they're going to be less, they're going to have probably on average a less higher propensity to churn. So like your rate of churn each month is going to go down. So you can't treat it like, you can't treat it like a half-lifes and molecules where every, you know, like the half-life of plutonium is X and every X, it goes down by half. That's not exactly how subscriber bases work. It's different. And then on the long tail, you end up with interesting stuff where, you know, they've kind of committed, but like, then you start running into things like, um, uh, unvolu- involuntary churn being a bigger thing, right? Like where they're just churning because their credit card's dying and things like that. And, th- and that's a different game as well. So we've tried to represent it as well as well as we could, but, um, and I, we do give some insights here into like how those systems work. Yeah. Since we're on the topic, let's just jump ahead. Let's talk about percentage of users retained over time. So I'm, I'm going to rattle off some numbers. If you're following along at home, you're looking for the percentage users retained over time chart. Um, and this shows exactly what you're saying is that, you know, for a weekly subscription by week one, you have 73% retained by week two, 55% retained by week three, 45% retained. And these are the medians. Um, and then by year one, it's all the way down to 3%. But what that does, and you know, you can't see it on a podcast, um, but, but when you look at the chart, it it creates a very nice curve that kind of flattens out at the bottom. And then similarly for monthly, you have the month one retention is 64%, month two retention is 45%, and then you get to a year and it's 11%. And so again, that creates this just kind of nice curve that perfectly illustrates what you're saying about this kind of uh, survival analysis is that the the longer you stay subscribed, the more likely you are to continue subscribing. Yeah, you lose on net, on a total amount, you lose less because the, the cohort's smaller. But then also on a percentage basis, the, the decay rate tends to go down over time, um, which isn't the case for most natural decay processes. So now it's right. interesting though that, um, uh, so talking about those specific weekly versus monthly, just looking at how many people are left. We had a blog post about this already, but like, how many people are left after a year on on weeklies? You're down to 3%, 3% of that cohort. So you started with 100, there's three left. Because you think about it, you get you get 
many more trials. There's many more opportunities for people to rethink. It's just you're rolling the dice more and more and more, which again, differentiates subscribers away. This is a discrete process as opposed to like natural, now we're getting real in the weeds, sorry, but like like a natural like decay process uh, where you do use like an exponential decay, but this only has like so many times that somebody can can unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, but but if you look at it, like monthly after a year, you're still 11, which doesn't still seems like a big decay, but it's three, almost four X what you will have left in a year with a, a weekly, which right. which kind of highlights when you see, I don't want to pass judgments here, but when you see the kind of apps that lean on weeklies versus yeah. like monthlies, there is some, I think, correlation with like angling towards longer term value versus versus like, you know, trying yeah. to maybe flow more cash up front. Um, which, which is interesting, just trying to lower the price point as low as they can to get people to subscribe. And, and we talked about this with Zach on the podcast, like people, this also demonstrates that people are rational. Like when I used to freak out about weekly subscriptions and be like, oh my gosh, it's like $500 a year. Nobody's making it a year, right? (laughs) Nobody, nobody stays. I mean, there's some, there's some, but like, presumably those could be long-term. I mean, I would hope that three of the people that you signed up. Uh, of the hundred after a year are still getting value out of the product or like right. it would surprise me if you have none after a year, right? Like somebody's, somebody's like in love with your product forever, potentially. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I find it hard to believe that none, I mean, it could be, but yeah. And we haven't done this analysis, but I would imagine there's also a fair bit of jumping from a weekly subscription to an annual. Like once you've kind of proved it out after a couple of weeks, yeah. like, Oh, this is a really great app. I spent you know, 10 bucks or whatever over the last couple of weeks. And I actually want to use this long-term, but $5 a week is, you know, not actually the value I'm getting. Yeah. And talking about deficiencies in our data set, potentially, like there are certain, there are edge cases like that, that uh, aren't necessarily like are hard to perfectly reflect in our right. data and stuff like yeah. that. So in some cases we selected those out and things like this. So if you have a situation where you're say pushing people from a monthly to an annual, like, take that into account when you're looking at this data. Cause yeah. like we not, that's not the case for most apps, right? There's going to be right. things that we edge cases, subscriptions, even if it's somewhat limited in what you can do, there's a lot of ways you can set up an in-app subscription set up in 2022. So take that into consideration. And I guess like the last to, to, to take away your thunder, David, the last data point would be <laughs> annuals, which is 25%, right. which is then another doubling from, uh, monthly from monthly. So that's pretty this cool. This has always fascinated me. How, why, why is annual retention so on average twenty five percent? And then, and we'll get into the the uh, um, top media. Actually, let's let's just go to it. So the top quartile for first renewal on annual is forty one percent. The median, which we were just discussing, is twenty five percent, and the lower quartile is sixteen percent. So there's a pretty big range there as well. So yeah. top quartile being 40% and more at that annual renewal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I don't think we did the the uh, spread for the, uh, or I just don't have it here, but there's a spread for the monthly as well. Yeah. So what's your question? Is like, why is, why is why? that so high? Yeah. Why is annual so much higher? And I, 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 this is probably some level of bias, right? <laughs> it's beyond our, well, it's beyond, this is not our department. We just tell you the data. Right. I can't tell you why, but I can give yeah. some theories, I guess. Like one, one theory is that, yeah, you're saying bias to selection, right? Because like people that subscribe with an annual kind of implies they have some amount of cash sitting around to like pay. 30 60 whatever it is and like i think in general in monetization practice there's this kind of 
dirty, not secret that people with more money spend more money, right? I don't think that's a surprise. So like, and they're more likely to stick around. They're more likely to retain on luxury goods. They're more likely to not cancel things. So like, I think that's part of it. So it's not that like the mechanics of the annual is necessarily much better. It's potentially it filters better for the users you want to retain. Yeah, in in our data, we don't necessarily know whether... They, or, or we haven't broken it down by whether they even saw the monthly versus the annual. Yeah, so exactly. We have some apps in our in in this data that are showing monthly and annual heads up. Some are showing monthly, weekly, and annual. Some are showing just annual. Yeah, some so are we don't just know. monthly. Some are any combination of the above and lifetime. You know, we don't. We actually don't look at lifetime in any of this data. Mm-hmm. Um, which all well, has, which all the, has implications, paying. right? To like yeah. the, your your mix, like who goes onto what plans and things like this. Um, yeah. But you know, I think so. That's one is the bias selection bias of people who end up on annual. Another one is just number of opportunities to churn. Like I right. do think makes a difference. Like with the monthly, like you get an email from Apple every month that's like, hey, you're paying for X. With an annual subscription, you get one a year. Like that's yeah. gonna make a difference. Like if you send if you send your customers twelve emails reminding them how much they're paying, that's an opportunity every time to rethink that relationship, right? So I think there's gonna be naturally that happens less with annual, so you're gonna have less churn. Um, and so, and I think that's why you know it's 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 such a good proposition. And then you know, looking at those top quartiles again, so that, I mean that's where it's important to think like, what can I achieve? And I think so, like, let's talk about like seeing your app. A lot of people are thinking annuals, like annuals has been for the last two years. Everybody's been like, oh, we figured it out. 730 day trial into an annual. That's we figured out. This is the one monetization method. And so you can see why here it's that, you know, you get these better retention rates. But then like you should look at also like what you're getting, because I think that magic of annuals really works well for the top quartile, but it's a different game. You know, yeah. you're if you're in the median or below, you know, you're only talking like a like a a 2x, 1 to 2x, a differential over monthly in total retention. But if you're in the top quartile, you're talking potentially higher, right? Like, um, you know, I don't want to have the data here, but the spread, the spread between the top quartile of monthly versus the top quartile of annual is higher than the spread between the median monthly and the median annual, which is, is, and it's a lot to, 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 to process, (laughs) but it tells you that there's like at the high end, uh, performance on apps, there's more advantage to moving to an annual plan, which I think, again, we're just a lot of this is proxying to product quality, yeah. right? It's just telling you more about the product quality than anything else. So, yeah. And one of the things that, that we also can't show or, or don't show in our data is how much of a discount people are getting on the annual. So if they, yeah. if they saw a paywall that said $9.99 a month, which is $120 a year, and then they saw an annual at 50% off for $60 a year, you know, that probably influenced them to move to annual for, for quite a few people. So there's kind of bias there as you were kind of already alluding to, but then there's also potential like kind of retention bias as well. It's like, they're actually paying quite a bit less than the people who are on monthly. And so the, the kind of amount of value they're getting to what they're paying is different. And so, yeah, that's not something you know, we have insight yeah. into I mean, we directly, do, but we don't, we, we do, don't show we it in this report. Yeah. Cause yeah, like yeah. people, people have a limited number of dimensions they can analyze in their head <laughs> for finite beings. Cause yeah. like you can take all of these numbers and be like, here's what it looks like for this price point and this price point, but price points are also varied and all over the place and stuff like that. And I think yeah. that going back to the meta of the report, like that was a lot of the work we had to do is decide like, what's the most useful, like what can we show without overwhelming people with making the data useful 
So, but it's an important caveat to remember is that, yeah, top quartile renewal rate might be correlated with bottom quartile on price. And we don't necessarily show that, right? So again, like think about, but you know where your price sits relative to your peers, right? So like take that into account and be like, are we relatively highly priced? Well, then maybe that's going to push our renewal rates down a little bit. It most likely will. Um, And and this is also an opportunity for us. This is year zero for this report. Like I can imagine in the future, as we hear what folks want to know, like we're going to evolve this and we can, we can, this thing will be 600 pages by the, by by the time (laughs) we go public. So Yeah. And retention is such a key part of all of this where, um, you know, it's something we talk about a little bit in the report, but, but there is just this, this is the magic of subscriptions, right? Is that whether, whether it's 11% on the monthly or or hopefully higher, if you're in the top quartile or 25% on an annual, hopefully higher if you're in the top quartile is that, once you get a certain number of people to stick around, we just said they're more likely to stick around. And that next year, you just get free money. <laughs> I was looking at my Launch Center Pro revenue for this year uh, yesterday in, in Revenue Cat and saw that most of my revenue in 2022, because I haven't been actively working on the product, haven't been actively marketing it, was actually renewal revenue. And I think yeah. it was actually like... Well, that's true for any business past the couple times. of years. Yeah, like yeah. just the way that renewal rates work, you're eventually going to... Revenue cats in that situation st- too. Well, stacking not, those cohorts. But like any business with good retention and good expansion or like minimal churn, yeah, pretty soon the bulk of your revenue becomes from from existing customers, yeah. which which is great. Like that's the thing I think with businesses that we've, I don't know, if you go back in time and think about people exacting commerce locally, right? It's like you pretty much are a retained customer with your local bakery or whatever like that. We kind of lost that in software land, but now we have it again where like you're going to kind of just be an ongoing service provider um, for, you know, whatever it is you do. And I, and I think that leads to, you know, better market economics and yeah, um, better results for people. So, all right, we're going to go over the hour mark. As you say, pick uh, your favorites, David. What's, uh, what's I know, the hit I know, list? I know. Let's hit the last key. The last key takeaway: retention rates are about the subscription duration, are not about the subscription duration, but about the quality of your app. So we won't deep dive into this number, um, but we did break down retention by um, duration of subscription. And it, it it just goes down to quality. It's like, is your app a great app? Yeah. And then if it's a monthly, they're going to stay subscribed. If it's an annual, they're going to stay yep. subscribed. So like the There's value... There's slight variations based on mechanics, but yeah. It's, again, it goes back to people are rational. I think people yep. in general... A rational consumer. It's, it's funny. Like, I think generally the, people get the idea that people are irrational, which is true. We do a lot of irrational things. But I think when it comes to money people get way more rational. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. as soon as it involves dollars, it, people's rationality goes way up, even if they don't know it, even if they're not yeah. like actively thinking about it. I think people are much smarter with their money than they are with most other things. Yeah. So. And, and the rationality of consumers is a great lens to look at this report through as well. It's like, why is a weekly subscription retention at year one, 3% rational customers. You know, why is the uh, lower quartile of trial conversion rate 16% on some of these numbers, rational consumers. Like Mm -hmm. if you are offering something of value and you deliver that value over time and you're priced well against the value you deliver, that's how you build a great subscription business. If you are offering minimal value and we're not kind of develop, 
delivering that value over time, you're going to struggle in all of these metrics. Yeah, it's not going to matter if you find one you're broke. Is yeah, you're my. I was going back into meta. We keep talking about the meta, which maybe it's yeah. better than it's just reading out the report to people. But like, um, you know, I think about one one of my goals with this report was to help people know where to focus. Right. Yeah. I want you to look at this, look at your numbers, and go where do I where do I spend my finite time? Like, where do, where might I have leverage? Like, where might I be missing? Um, and you'll have to combine that with your own sense, but like, that's, that's, that's the goal. Um, it's not going to, yeah, magically take a product that doesn't have product market fit and give it product market fit, right? right. There's no, there's no substitute for that. This should be for products that have some amount of product market fit. And ideally, it's going to help you find a couple like glaring holes in your in your funnel or like places where you're underperforming, you think, relative to your peers and and, and maybe help you focus. That's the goal. Yeah. And, and again, what's interesting about our data is we span apps that have not found product market fit, that are early in their journey, that are late in their journey and don't have product market fit, that are flash in the pans. Apps Flyer, Apps Flyer and, and Instagram don't ask you if you have product market fit before they let you spend, right? Like <laughs> there's like yeah. lots of folks that yeah are probably over there. This is something I end up telling people a lot of times too. Like yeah. like don't get into you know, don't focus on acquisition. Don't do things in the right order, right? So right. um data. All right. A couple of my favorites it's so hard to pick they're Let's all talk about my trials favorite a little children. bit we haven't really talked about trials we've kind of gone in a reverse order here and started with retention right so yeah okay I'll, I'll hit the the trial strategy first so no trials uh 39 of the apps that we analyze don't have a trial at all um 30% have a mixed trial strategy where they do have either some you know lifetime purchase or you know or subscriptions without a trial. And then we have 31% with a pure trial strategy. So that was interesting to me. And I'd I love think- to see this weighted by size of app. It'd be interesting to me because I don't, I don't, I know very few scaled apps that haven't implemented a trial strategy. So, well, and see, what's interesting is that I've actually been seeing more and more apps go without a trial strategy mm-hmm. in two different situations. One is like a, a fitness app with a really long onboarding, you have like really high motivation. And mm. sometimes it can be a dark pattern um, when you build I mean, up all this like, about it. motivation yeah. and then you, you have them pay right away. Um, so I've seen that kind of a trend. Uh, but, but the thing is like, you, you kind of like have an expected value coming into a fitness app, like you're going to use it or not. And I think there's even arguments to be like, when people have money on the line, they're actually more likely to be successful. So maybe that's even in a fitness app, a dark pattern sure. that's actually beneficial to a user. It's like when they have money on the line, they're more likely to like force themselves to use the app, which gives them a better life. If you know, we're talking fitness apps, um, and, and then there's other situations where you, you have, um, a freemium product where the freemium is very generous and generous enough to kind of substitute for a trial. And that's something, if you have a very generous free trial and you have not, I mean, a generous free tier in your freemium strategy and you still have a free trial, that's a, a great little experiment to run is just take off the free trial. Cause mm-hmm. it like, that's the point of a great freemium strategy. Easy to do is that- cat experience products, by the way. So. <laughs> Keep your time. True. Um, 
but that's kind of the point of freemium, right? Is like you, you get that experience. And so I've actually been surprised to see apps that have a really strong freemium also offer a free trial. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, there's just so many blended strategies here. Um, but the kind of numbers that we can dig into for a sec um, are the download to trial start rates. And this is just fascinating, wild variations so on a pure trial strategy, and let's focus on that because I think the mixed trial strategy is a little kind it's of hard to, harder hard to, to understand. Around, yeah. um, but on the pure trial strategy, we see a 2.1% lower quartile of download to trial start and then a 4.6 median and an 8.7 upper quartile. So this is one of those massive like, swing, right? Like two versus swing. close to nine, like a 5X. And you think about this is the this is a, this is a primary that like this is a this is yeah. your no, your conversion rate is most likely going to be directly proportional to this very close to directly proportional um and so and that that's that's 8.7 that's the beginning of the quartile so like there are people like above most likely 10 percent, and that's yeah. not unusual to me like i that's that's in you know in elevate days i we were pulling that on you know depending on where our customer sourcing was and stuff like this great yeah. apps do pull that number and like that's just, you know, they do it via brand and via great onboarding and like via, you know, all the tricks in the book, having a good, compelling proposition. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, you can do a lot worse, right? Like yeah. 2%. But, but, but again, so going back to like our, our, our hypotheticals here, I would guess that all trails is in the bottom quartile. I, nah, I, I, I wish we had real data on speculation, it. Like, speculation, parody. Total, like, we don't total know. Spe- <laughs> <laughs> total speculation. We don't know. But just based on... So apps like AllTrails that have a very generous freemium tier, this is one of those areas where they might actually yeah. be an incredible business and perform in that yeah, you don't need it. You don't need it, right? Necessarily. Yeah. It depends. Like, I mean, and also, so it's two numbers, right? It's people who start a trial and people who have the opportunity to start a trial. Trials, right. Trial trials, we would call, I guess. But like, yeah. uh, and so both of those numbers have equal weight in the result, right? So like, think about in a case of something like all trails with an interesting customer acquisition strategy where they're using SEO, which isn't a very common strategy, I think for most mobile apps, Apps, like that is going to directly impact that denominator and potentially depress that number. But if the volume is much higher in that user base, it makes up for it. Right. So like, again, caveats, caveats, asterisks, asterisks. Um, But, but I would say these numbers seem fairly, from my, I'm applying my personal experience and bias to like what I've seen in the last like you know almost decade uh, of this stuff. I think these are pretty representative of apps that I think have good product market fit versus not yeah. depend you know with the, the the caveats aside. Right, and then so on the flip side, and we actually call this out in the report is I talked to the uh, co-founders of an app called Nunderun. Um, now they're a much smaller scale app, kind of an indie success story where they're doing well, but not you know like you know, scaled VC backed app, um, you know, nothing on the level of all trails or whatever. But what was really fascinating in talking to them is that most of their traffic actually comes from one blog post in a Facebook group. So the <laughs> one blog post is um, like couch to 5k can cause injuries and it's not a great program for beginning runners. And so, the, so people read this whole post <clears throat> about, you know, a, a better way to get into running and then they go download the app. So their trial start rate was 20%. Like right. 
not right. even on that chart. There you go. Like, the denominator is different, right? The, the numerator is probably the same, but like the people they're sending into that funnel are very, very selected, right? Now, if they had a bigger mix of like organic from the app store, that's going to change, right? That's going to sure. change dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was interesting too in talking to them is that they did see that number drift down over time because when they first released the app, their Facebook group was like begging for this app. And so, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, depending on your stage, depending on your source of traffic, depending on so many things, these numbers will fluctuate. Oh yeah, so, I mean, we've seen it at Revenue Camp. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if we're not an app, but like similarly, I can imagine, was it as their organics went up too, as yeah, they like so, gained so, ranking? So what, well, so what happened is that they, they push out this email blast in the Facebook group and get all of their kind of the people who've been like pent up demand. And so oh, yeah, pent up yeah. demand yeah, yeah. converted like crazy. They had, I think yeah. like a over 20% trial start rate <laughs> in that initial money. cohort. <laughs> and then, and then people they hacking like the a, fundraising process. They had like a 90% trial conversion rate because they were so high intent people like this pent up demand. It was like incredible, ridiculous, mind bending numbers, like breaks every chart that we show in this report. But then that all drifted down as they started getting more just organics like App Store Search, you know, getting featured by Apple and stuff like that. All those numbers drifted down. Now, they're still kind of industry leading because most of their uh, traffic is still coming from th those kind of primary sources. So, again, it's just something to keep in mind. It's like who's coming in, what's yeah, their level of the intent, and then the... you're going to understand, you know, these numbers differently. Um, all right, one last one, and, and we're, we're going to have to wrap up. But trials start to paid subscriber conversion rate. And then another one with like massive swings. <laughs> so we broke this one down by um, trial duration. So um, a less than four days. This, this is an interesting thing. I, I Pardon me like 90 seconds on this because we debated it a ton internally. Um, the App Store has three, seven, 14, and 30-day trials. Uh, the Play Store, you can set arbitrary day, right? yeah. trial so when you look at this report, you're going to see uh, less than or equal to four days, five to nine days, 10 to 16 days, seven to 17 to 32 days. I Number, argue we should just hard. call it three, seven, 14, and 30. But to be more accurate, we because there are a lot of Play Store apps that use arbitrary numbers in their uh, free trials. Um, to simplify for this conversation, I'll use three, seven, 14 a day, and 30. Um, but this was really interesting. On our three-day free trial, it had the lowest median, the lowest lower quartile, and the lowest upper quartile. So, the, so from starting a free trial to actually paying, the lower quartile was 19%, the median was 30%, and the top quartile was 47%. We jumped to the seven-day free trial, which is one of the most popular trials in our data. Um, it, no, it was the most popular free trial in our data, and... Um, uh, 30 day free trial and 14 day free trial are, are pretty small and three day free trial is actually uh, uh, fairly significant. Fairly con yeah. I see that sometimes. Yeah. But anyways, in the seven day free trial, the, the bottom quartile was 28%, the medium's 45% and the upper quartile is 62%. So I've thrown out a lot of numbers, Yeah. but let's, let's do the, the contrast. So on let's just talk day, about those medians again. So the three day uh, yeah, is 30% 30%. median conversion rate. And then the seven day is 45. Now I will say this is unintuitive to me because I would think that the shorter the trial, the less time somebody has to cancel. Like they just have less time to think about it. Um, so I would, if you asked me, I would intuit that you're going to have a higher conversion rate because there's just less time. 
but that appears not to be the case that yeah. actually there's something about it could be selection bias it could be where we see three-day trials that's probably mostly what it is is what yeah. kind of products use three days versus versus right. seven days um but but it's it's still pretty interesting and let's just talk about high even that 30 percent is a little low but 45 percent as the median so like right. half of all those users that engage in that trial are converting which right. is i mean i guess like that's of three percent of downloads or something like this but still um you know that's that's pretty good that's pretty yeah. good yeah I, I was surprised at these numbers these so some of the numbers in here you know, like the retention rate, the median being 25 at one year for annual subscription. That that actually surprised me on the low side. Uh, but this is one of those that surprised me on the high side. Um, that for a median across all of the apps that we track, 45% converting from a free trial to paid is is encouraging. You know, it's like... Um, it's if something you can get we, that trial started, that's that's where it's at, right? Like get yeah. that trial started and and, you know, it's magic. That's the moment. Yeah. And then back to kind of what you were saying, I think there are a ton of reasons why we might see this. And and again, kind of back to all of these metrics, it's that, you know, is a seven day free trial magical compared to a three day free trial? Probably not. Yeah, it, it, it probably is a certain level of selection bias is that, you know, a weekly subscription is more likely to do a three day free trial than a then, yeah, 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 yeah. That's most likely the case because you can't. It's weird. Yeah, I've seen that more often in in weeklies, and then we've just seen general less a- attachment in those product durations. Now, yeah. I will, I will, I will call it. And this is worth pulling the report revenuecout.com slash report uh, <laughs> to go look at it. But actually, there's fluctuation, and you know, because we go on to talk about the two week and the one month. There's fluctuation, but the medians are 45, 44, and 45, so they're almost right. identical. And then yeah. also on the top quartile, we got 62, 61, 67. And on the bottom, 28, 21, 21. So like, that's a lot of numbers. But if you look at it visually, you'll see that it's it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, it's kind of like... 14 and 30 day is, is like They kind of all the same. The top quartiles are very similar. The bottom quartiles are very similar. And the medians are very similar. Which like my conclusion from that is it doesn't matter much. Like it right. probably... There's probably some... I think it's probably more about product marketing. And it might be yeah. more interesting to look at not how this... And this is the this is where like all this data has to be like pulled into a human brain and applied to your situation because like yeah. it might be more interesting to see how those selections affect trial start rate, not necessarily right. conversion rate, right? Because that people too. are yeah, thinking yeah. about the duration more actively when they start it than probably during it. Um, and yeah. certainly the conversion rate is pa- the conversion event is passive, right? So that's happening without their without their you know immediate inter- like direct interaction. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would consider that as well. So, but yeah, it's good. A null, a null result is a result, as we say, right? Um, <laughs> and I wanted to call out the the widest variance in this chart. So on a thirty day free trials, seventeen to thirty day free trials, thirty two day free trials, um, the bottom quartile is twenty one percent, and the top quartile is sixty seven percent. Three x, three yeah. more than a three x yeah, swing <laughs> error band of. You know, where oh, you it's not even land. that broad of so, an air brand. We're just talking twenty-five to fifty to seventy-five percent, right? Court this difference, right? Um, yeah, this is the middle of the middle. The, the middle fifty percent of apps have that much range, right? Um, which is why. And so it just tells you again, you know, kind of to your point, is that it's not about the duration; it's about product quality, product marketing. You know, it's about so many other things. So you can have a thirty-day free trial 
that only converts, you know, less than 21%. You can have a 30 day trial that converts I think, well <laughs> over 67%. We debated before this podcast on like how much FUD and how much caveating and all this <laughs> stuff. And now I'm after sitting here for an hour plus talking about it. I'm like, yeah, I think we've just discussed a number. These numbers don't matter. <laughs> like what matters is your product, which has been the beat we've been on with Subclub the whole time. I'm, I'm being facetious, of course. Some numbers really matter. And that's the idea yeah. with the reports, like help you find the numbers that really matter. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them may not. And like, I think, I think this, I think the goal with this is to give you, equip you at least with some education on what might or might not be the bottleneck for, for your right. particular business. And, and that's a perfect place to kind of wrap up since we're way over time and we, we could talk for hours. You, you and I could do like a four hour podcast. Are we at the point in the, in the podcast journey where we have a side podcast? Cause that seems like what every <laughs> podcast does at some point, they start to replicate and then, you know, invariably Just cancel that podcast after they're me like, and you talking numbers. The only thing worse podcast. than producing one podcast is having to produce two podcasts. <laughs> so we won't um, be doing that, but we could, but let's wrap up there. So, are these numbers perfect? No. Are they uh, are they directly applicable in every metric to your app? No. But are they useful? They are damn useful. I, I've learned a lot from building this report and looking at the data. And used in the right way, I do think that this report is going to help people make more money. I think it's going to help people see some so. of the... Even, even if it just helps one, David. Just one <laughs> app make a little more money. That's all I want in this world. Yeah. And so... So to your point, I think the the best lens to look at this through is as a subscription app developer, you have a business and that business is comprised of hundreds of little micro metrics that you can move here and that you can move there. And what this report will hopefully do, and then this podcast being a companion to that report, is help you better put those metrics into context. And, and 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 hopefully this podcast. Um, enough people listen to this podcast. Oh, nobody's still to, listening at this point. Like they've all <laughs> they've all just went and downloaded it. But to 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 look at these numbers with enough context to say, okay, we're not top quartile in this metric. We're you know median in that metric. But but this is our business. Our business has advantages and leverages here, and we're top quartile there, and we're going to be bottom quartile in the other as a result of the leverage we have in that metric. Um, and so take all of these numbers that you're looking at when you're reading the report and filter them through a broader strategy of how you're going to run your business, what leverage you have, and then what points along that funnel you truly have leverage. Yeah. And, and you know, this is what we were talking about earlier is that if you're an early stage app, trying to perfectly optimize your trial start rate is maybe not the best place to spend your time. Our, I mean, this is our, this, again, a SaaS company, not an app, but like, let's talk about Revenue Cat. Like we, the first three, four years, like we used metrics, but we didn't really like focus so heavily. But in the last year, as like growth, as the company's it's gotten mature. bigger, as more, more yeah. mature, it's much, it's much more helpful for us to, this is a term you hear it's gross stage is managed by metrics being like, okay, right. like even in the early days, you'd be like, oh, let's make the product better or whatever. The metrics will take care of themselves. It's true. As you get further on, it's very helpful to be like, all right, we're going to do X and this is how we're going to measure X. Yeah. Right. And I think as a business owner runner, if you're the CEO of a company or like you're part of a big company or just a sole proprietorship or whatever it is, that's going to be a different fit, different stage, different time to like manage by metrics. I think it's always useful to have them. How much emphasis you put on them, uh, you know, depends. Um, but I do think 
Like we were, we've not always measured, we've not always managed by metrics at revenue cap, but we've always had them. Like we've always right. used them. So yeah. like, um, yeah, but regardless if you're at the beginning of that journey or the end or the middle, I think you can use this data to enhance like how you're, how you're using that, that, um, how you're using your own metrics. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that's a, a really great place to wrap up is that, you know, metrics are of great use. Great. Love analytics. Awesome. Numbers. I love all numbers, three, seven, 42. They're great. Uh, summary statistics. I could do this all day. You didn't tell me we were starting a statistics podcast. Now I'm all re-energized. I mean, I love, I love subscriptions and everything, but I think, you know, if you got me talking stats all day, I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be just as happy. So yeah. read this report and go run your business. Sounds good. Go I'm going to go do, I'm gonna go do that right now, David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hope hope everyone enjoyed this and, and found some value. One other thing, two two things I wanted to shout out at the end. One, um, you've heard us say it a few times, but again, you can check out the full report. We'll link to it in the show notes, uh, but revenuecat.com slash report should resolve to the report. Um, the last thing though, is that we will be doing, now that we have the infrastructure in place, we have the data scientists, we have Looker all dialed in and um, all these metrics, uh, you know, better dialed in across all of Revenue Cat's data, we will be doing more blog posts and we'll also be preparing for next year's report. So do not hit up Jacob. Um, you can, I'll just things. forward it to David. I was, just, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna suggest that Jacob at revenue.com.cat.com or David at revenuecat.com. If, if you're hearing this, listening to this, we'll hopefully have some link along with the report too, but like feedback on this is, is, you know, really important to us. Cause this yeah. is this, we consider this another extension of our product and we want to make yeah. it better over time. And the only way you can do make a product better is by listening to users. Uh, so, so, so tell me specifically how you found this report helpful and then what holes you saw in the report that you think we should dive into a little more either in blog posts or in next year's report that would meaningfully impact the decisions you make in running your subscription app business. And if you didn't find it helpful, you don't have to write anything. You can just you can just <laughs> write the negative too. That's fine. That's even potentially more useful. So please, please. All right, Jacob, it was so fun. And uh, we only went 20 minutes over. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you. Thanks so much for listening. If you have a minute, please leave a review in your favorite podcast player. You can also stop by chat.subclub.com to join our private community.